So I was hoping they might catch it, but they didn't. So. But, you know, before we actually get into the actual names of God, I felt it was important, and much in the same way that David was helping to remind us, that there needs to be a kind of a, a deeper reverence when we remember Him, when we think of His name. And so I actually have a, the lesson, Hallowed Be Your Name, Part 2. Okay? Because I think we really want to have this foundation set so that when we go to learn His names, it truly will be hallowed. Not only in our minds and our hearts, but even in our actions, as we'll see. Amen? So let's return to the passage in Matthew. Matthew 6, 9. We'll just read the first part of this prayer that the Lord gave us. He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And again, I want to focus on that phrase, hallowed be your name. Well, what does that really mean? I didn't really address in detail, well, what does that really mean to us? How, what does it mean to, to hallowed be your name? And, you know, I, I appreciate, Sebastian George sent me an article, actually, by another great Christian writer, John Piper, that enlightened me into this passage, something that I had not noticed before. See, so often I thought this was a, a direction for us, like, we hollow his name. But if you actually read it literally, through a literary understanding, it's actually a request. It's not a direction, it's not something you do. You actually aren't the one hollowing his name. If, if he was commanding us to hollow his name, then he would just say, praise him, glorify him. Say things about him that, why he's holy to you. But no, what it actually is saying, it's a request that you, in a sense, are saying, God, see to it that your name is hollowed. Because it's past tense. Our Father. You're not in the process of hollowing Him. He says, Our Father, hollowed. Past tense. Be your name. So, in a sense, we're actually asking God, because only you can really do it, make your name holy. Make your name sanctified. Make your name glorified. Make your name hollowed through us. That's a lot different than what I've always thought when I've said that prayer. Yes, you should praise His name. Yes, you should glorify His name. But we're actually asked to request for God to make His name hollowed. Which this then tells us in this prayer two very important points. And I think these are vital to us, for us to properly pray where His name will be hollowed. The first is this. Prayer does not move God to do things that He is not inclined to do. And if there's anything God wants to do, it's to have His name be hollowed. To be glorified. To be praised. That, that is what God desires. And so that shows us, guys, that when we pray trying to control God, we're not really praying. Prayer is actually to give Him control. Which leads to the second point about prayer. Prayer is God's way of bringing our priorities in line with His. His priority at the very beginning of this prayer is for His name to be hollowed. That's interesting. Even before His kingdom comes or His will is done, His first priority is His name is hollowed. 
What is our first priority? You know, even coming to church, is our first priority that His name is hallowed? Or is it that, well, I want to have great fellowship. I want to see my friends. I need to hear the message. My quiet time has been kind of shallow. I need to hear a powerful message. I like to sing. I like to worship. I love to hear the others lead us in worship. I mean, those are all important guys. But his first priority was that his name is hallowed. That there, there's a certain reflection of yourself before you even enter this sanctuary. That we come in with a different attitude. I can tell you how many of us, probably, if we're honest, have fights even on the way to church. Right? It's not just marriage retreats that we tend to have fights to. I mean, it's, that's happened a lot as well. I've gotten a little better over the years after 20 plus of them. But no, seriously, guys, how seriously, and even as we come to God in prayer, is the first thing on our heart just to get off all our requests? Or says, go, you know what, let me pause, let me turn off the computer, let me go find a quiet place, let me get my mind ready to go, Father, that His name is hollowed in our presence. This is what communion was all about. It can become a tradition, it can become just words. An abracadabra, and oh, I'm better this week. No. His priority is for His name to be hollowed. So what, so what is that actual word? Hollowed meaning. It's interesting, that actual Greek word is only translated hollowed twice in the entire New Testament. And it's both the Lord's Prayer. One in Luke and one in Matthew. But what is that Greek word? It's hagiazo, which means to make holy, hollow, be holy, or sanctify. Now, I think that definition sanctify is helpful because it would be like saying, let your name... Be sanctified. Now, there's two ways, two meanings to the word sanctify. Okay? The first one is the word sanctify can mean to make holy. For example, when God sanctifies us through Jesus, He means that He makes us holy. But if we're saying, Lord, Your name be sanctified, you can't make what is already holy, holier. <laughs> Right? That, that wouldn't make sense, because that's his request. May your name be sanctified. Well, no, he already is holy. So the second meaning sanctified is to treat as holy. Because, see, he already is holy. The problem is, we don't always recognize it. And the world doesn't recognize it. We are praying, God, Lord, may your name be sanctified. Lord, may the world treat your name as holy. That's why when we use God's name in vain, that, that is a terrible thing. You're not making His name or treating His name as holy. So when we say, hallowed be your name, we are asking that God would cause His name to be treated as holy, as sacred, as glorified. Or I like this one commentary. He said, to be thought of as wonderfully Different. I like that description. Wonderfully different. Well, how different? How wonderfully different is God to us? Well, I thought I'd take a little stroll through the Scriptures. 
What does the Bible say that would help us understand that God is wonderfully different? Look in Job 36, 26. How great is God beyond our understanding. The numbers of His years is past finding out. How wonderfully different is He? So much so, you can't even comprehend it. Beyond our understanding. See guys, if we come to the the prayer thinking like, I got it, I know who God is. You are not having His name be treated as holy. we got to come with a humility like, God, I, I don't know enough about you. I never will know enough about you. I'm thankful for what I do know about you. But hallowed be your name. And this is why we want to learn His name. Because we want to learn more about Him. Then once you learn it, you still don't know enough. You'll never know enough. Which is why we should never think we've arrived as a disciple. We haven't. Till we see His face in heaven. We have not. And that's why communion is important every week. Because we still don't know enough. And we need to be reminded of what we do know. Yet alone learn what we don't know. Well, let's continue. Job 37.5 God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does things beyond our understanding. How wonderfully different. So different. He does things so great, we can't even understand it. Which is why we can't judge difficult things in our life. If He does great things beyond understanding, then maybe even through a suffering, maybe even through a trial, maybe even through a test, He is accomplishing something so great, but we judge Him too soon because we're uncomfortable, or we feel challenged, and we make an opinion about God. God, what's wrong with you? Whoa. You're not treating His name as hollowed. Guys, He is so wonderfully different. He does such great things we can't even comprehend. Psalm 71.19 Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Man, we're just, we're just trying to be righteous just a little bit. Guys, His righteousness is so beyond, it reaches to the heavens. Most of us, our righteousness barely gets out the door. You know what I mean? I mean, at least I speak for myself. I won't speak for you. But, man, His reaches to heaven. That's how wonderfully different He is. I like this one, Luke 18, 27. How wonderfully different is God? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. I don't know if there's any scripture that more simply says how wonderfully different He is than us. Because there are things that are impossible for us. That's what He just stated. Right? Can you make the sun stand still? Can you divide the Red Sea? Can you bring someone back from the dead? God can! What else can He do? We already know. He can do great things beyond our understanding. So, just start imagining how wonderfully different God is. 
I mean, really, if we really understand that, man, our faith in God should be just incredible. We should never doubt. Because we have enough stuff in the Bible to go, that's pretty cool stuff. I can't do that. He can. And He can do more than that. He can get you through anything. He can bring you all the way home if you let Him. One more. 1 Corinthians 1.25 For the foolishness of God... And that's not saying He's foolish. Okay? This is a literary tool here of saying, if He were foolish. Okay? He's not. But if He were, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness, if he were weak, he's not. But if he were, the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. How much more wonderfully different is God than us? That even if he had foolishness, even if he had weakness, it would still be so far superior to our greatest wisdom and our greatest strength that nothing but his name could be treated as hollowed. And you think, okay, Derek, why, why is this so important? That we understand God is so wonderfully different. That He is so infinitely better than anything else. Here's why. If we truly believe that, if we truly understand that, then why would we choose something so much less as the object of our desires? Why would we choose another person who is so much less than the wonderfully different God that we serve? Why would we choose a career? Why would we choose a certain sin or a certain pleasure? Why would we choose to hold on to to bitterness? Why would we choose to, to prioritize our time for this that won't last rather than something that is so wonderfully different? That's the question we've got to answer and that's exactly what we do when we let other objects of our desire take precedent. We're saying it's greater. And it's not, and it never will be. He is so wonderfully different. We should never desire anything greater than Him. See, this is what will help you truly see Him as sacred, as holy, and as wonderfully different. So how is He going to accomplish it? Because remember, you're asking Him for His name to be made hollow. For you, say, God, help me to take your name as holy. How does He do that? Because we don't want to make that mistake of not doing it, right? Well, the very next part of the prayer tells us how. His first priority, hallowed be your name. Make your name seen, taken as holy, as glory. Verse 10 of Matthew 6. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we're going to take His name as holy. Because He's so so superior to anything else we could desire. We choose His kingdom. We choose His will, not our own. And see, when we surrender to His kingdom and to His will, now through us, His name is made hollowed. And people see it. Isn't that the whole point? See, guys, what I'm trying to help us understand is as we learn a name of God, I don't want you just to learn a name of God for understanding. Wow, that's really cool. I like that about God. 
It's got to be more than that. That if we truly understand this attribute of God that this name is trying to entail for us, it's got to not only go to understanding, but it's got to move from the heart to the mind to our hands and our feet to action of then making that God known. Because if we don't, we actually haven't treated His name as hallowed. So I don't want you just to have that little list and go, I'm going to memorize these names. I want these names to start having real life meaning in how you live your life. I mean, you just pick one of the names off here. Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals. Wow, God who heals. And He can heal in ways that no doctor can heal. I want to be the instrument for which that name can be taken as holy. So if I then go heal, I go comfort, I go serve, I go sacrifice, I've made His name hollow. You see what I'm saying? Our, our understanding of who He is must come into action. Belief without deeds is dead. Great if you understand all His names, but if it doesn't transform you, then you haven't treated His name as hollowed. You haven't fulfilled His kingdom and His will. Amen? So it's super important that we understand His will. So how do we do that? Well, fortunately, we have another passage of Scripture that I'll close with as we focus on this, of how to determine His will. Do you want to know His will? Yes. Do you think it's important to know His will? Yes. You sure? You're ready for this? Because yes. once you know it, now God's going to expect it from you. See, sometimes knowledge is like, oh, don't tell me anything more. Because once I know, now I'm accountable. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. But I just want to see where you're at. Romans 12. I'm just going to read the first part of this verse because I'm also trying to train you how to read Scripture. How to get deeper into Scripture. Okay? Because it was written with literal tools. Okay? Which means the use of words has meaning. Not just in what the word itself means, but even what you're supposed to learn from those words. So, here's how Romans 12 starts off. Therefore, I urge you. That's a strong word, urge, right? Kind of gives me the impression, being in Texas, like a cattle prod. Have you ever been... I have. Okay? Brothers, being brothers, sometimes play around. You know, like, oh! Okay? It doesn't say, therefore, I highly suggest, I would hope that you would desire, uh, I would encourage you. No, it's, I urge you. This is how important it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. And I want to stop right there. What have we just learned reading that verse a question that we need to consider. What does therefore mean? Therefore means you are now being said, you got to do what follows next because of what preceded it. Right? So if we're going to properly understand, have the right motivation, the right treating His name as holy for us to then obey correctly, we need to know what the therefore was. Right? So how do you know what preceded the therefore? You read what's before. It's that easy. But how many times we'll open up the Scriptures and we'll, therefore, and we just read on and we don't stop 
and go, wait a minute, if I don't know what the reason therefore commands, I'm missing it. So let's go backwards. And it fits right on in with treating His name as holy. Romans 11, verse 33. And read the whole chapter 11, because again, it was a whole letter. You really want the context, read the whole letter. But at least for this, therefore, we do have this preceding thought. Oh, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! Exclamation point. When there's an exclamation in grammar, what does that mean? It means like all caps in your text messages. Right? Just trying to find the modern you know, definition of that. Right? Which that is a whole other thing for me. I can go on a side note about text messaging. It's like, it, it, there's so many wrong ways to text and miscommunicate and misunderstand. Like, wait a minute, you didn't give me any emojis. You don't really mean anything by that. Like, I was driving. I don't want to crash. There's a quick end. But you didn't put any emojis. <laughs> Like it's a whole other language. I'm like, if you really want to talk, just call me. I'm just saying, these are just my own beefs. I got to work on them. Amen. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Question mark. Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should have to repay him? And yet some of us think that sometimes. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory, sanctified, hallowed, forever. Amen. Where do we need to start? Remembering who God is. He's wonderfully different. Therefore. See, now it makes a lot more, doesn't it? If I just started with therefore and continued to be like, okay. But no, wait a minute. Wait, I, okay. God. So wonderfully different. Absolutely demands being treated as holy, sanctified. Therefore, I urge you. What's our motivation, guys? Crossing off our little checklist of being a good disciple? No. It's God. It's who God is. Which is why if we don't really know God, we're not going to be able to obey Him properly. We may go through the motions, but His name will not be treated as hollowed. Right? So, now that we understand how important who God is and why we need to study out His names to understand who He represents, and even then, even when we're done, we still won't know anything. But we'll know more than we started. There will be, there'll be progress. And the more we know Him, I think the more easy it will be when He commands us, we'll be motivated, motivated properly. I mean, the reality is sometimes, guys, we obey simply because, well, in case anyone does a checkbox on me, I want to make sure they know I, I'm checked off. I came to church. I, I gave contribution. I actually sang. They could hear my voice. And it, the focus becomes all about us. Oh, but I'm obedient. But are you obedient because of God? Or because you want to look good? 
And I, trust me, I'm as guilty as anyone in this. Therefore, because of who God is, we're going to do what He says that follows. Now we're ready to hear. Amen? So before I say the rest, I want you to picture right now a God who's so wonderfully different. Just, just imagine that you can't even begin to understand, but you, you, you try. And He's speaking to you. And His messengers are saying, I urge you. And now we're going to hear His words. In view of God's mercy. Again, the motivation is all from God. Mercy is not something you can get or earn or buy. It can only be given by God. Right? Right? It's in view of that mercy that this God who's so wonderfully different than us has given us. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, not to yourself or to others alone. Pleasing to God is first priority. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The actual Greek would be metamorphosis. It's like you're the caterpillar, now you better be the butterfly. That's how different, because God is so wonderfully different. When we truly understand Him, we truly submit to His will and His kingdom, it's got to change us wonderfully and differently than we were. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not a one-time change, it's a renewing. It has to keep going, which is why the Lord's Supper is a command, because we need our mind renewed about what Jesus did for us, who He is as a result of that, and where we stand because of it. That needs to be renewed. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We cannot know His will until we, one, remember who He is. That we take His name as holy, hallowed, sanctified, glorified. And then we obey. Until you obey, you're not going to know His will. See, we like it. No, tell me His will first, then I'll choose to obey. No, God doesn't work that way. He knows better. He knows you'll take the knowledge and then sit. He's like, no, I want you in the process of understanding my will. And the only way to know my will, because that's what it says, then you will know is you have to obey what He said here. What are the three things that we need to do in order to take His name as hallowed, in order to determine His will, His good, pleasing, what are the three things that it actually directs us to do? Number one, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now here's the key in this. You are the only one who can do it. You can't wait for your brother, your sister, your Bible talk leader, your region leader to go, bro, sis, can you get up off your duff and sacrifice? I will do that because God commands me to, and God has commanded you to, to love one another and disciple one another. But ultimately, for God's name to be treated as hollow by you, you have got to be the one to offer. You don't have to wait to be asked or urged, you offer it. My question is, are you? Are you really offering yourself as a living sacrifice? He didn't say offer yourself as a dead sacrifice. Where you just do it once, I'm good. 
And guys, many of us do that. We'll come into church, we sit down, I'm here, I've sacrificed, I gave up time, I, I gave up the football game I want to watch, I gave up this that I could be doing, Oh, I, I gave my contribution, I could have bought my TV I wanted, and, and we're done. We're here, we did it, it's a dead sacrifice because as you're there, there's no passion, there's no energy, there's no awe or reverence. It's like you did your checkbox. It says a living sacrifice. I have an issue with a lot of adult ministries that I, I can't help my city group leaders because there are just men who are not willing to lead. We were going over one group, and it was like, no, he doesn't want to leave a talk, he doesn't want to leave a talk, he doesn't want to leave a talk. Then what do they want to do? Because according to this, they're not offering themselves as a living sacrifice. They're building their own kingdom, not God's kingdom. They're fulfilling their own will, not God's will. They are not treating my God's name as hallowed. Now I had to calm down after that. Because I don't know their life situation. There may be a lot going on there. But one after another? For how long? At some point it's got to change. I understand you may need periods of time, but years? Guys, only you can offer yourself. I can't make you. I can urge you, because even He urged you. I urge you. But only you can offer it. Only you can treat His name as holy. I can't make you treat His name as holy. We pray that God will work in your life so that you'll treat His name as holy. You've got to offer yourself. Where are you not doing that? Where are you holding back? You're unwilling to give that little extra. Do you realize that we wouldn't even have a church service to come to if it weren't for the disciples years ahead of you that offer their bodies a living sacrifice? Do you realize that? What about for the next generation of people? If we don't imitate them, and offer our bodies, then there'll be generations of people that never get to know God. It's time for us to offer ourselves. Amen? Amen. Then the second thing, He's not done. You don't know His will yet just by offering yourself. Because it didn't say, offer your bodies, then you'll know the God's will. No, it says, offer your bodies, and then it continues. Right? Right. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I don't think we take that one serious enough. The reality is, the world has taught us how to think. Taught us how to be. Taught us how to live. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we living by it? Or by God's standard? What's our pattern? If we look at Jesus and His disciples and His followers and how they submitted to His will and were building up His kingdom... And then we look at the world and what it says you should do. Which pattern do you look like more? Because this is telling me, do not conform. In other words, we're actually asked to be rebels to the world. Don't just be like them. Be wonderfully different. Like our God. Are we? Where are we conforming? I think a lot of places we conform to the pattern of the world is how we use our time. Is our time focused more on ourselves and our career? Or do we even consider this week, how am I building God's kingdom? 
Do I just go to the store to buy stuff? That's what the world does. That's how they do things, right? Or do I also go to the store to buy stuff because I need stuff, but also as an opportunity because I don't know how God's been working, that there may be someone that God is working on that He wants to make His name treated as holy in their life, but He needs us to do it. Which pattern are we following? You made a decision when you said Jesus is Lord that you're no longer living for you. You're living for Him. Look in your life. Where are you conforming more to this world than to God? To the way He wants us to live. Now, I'm not saying you can't desire or have all those things, but they better be in their proper place of priority. What are we conforming to? You still don't know His will, though. There's one more thing He mentions. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The reason why a lot of us can't seem to overcome certain sins is not because you don't have the ability. God gives you the ability. He can make you holy. He can sanctify you through Christ. His blood, His Word, His Spirit, His body. The problem is, you're not changing your mind about that sin. Until you think differently, you will not act differently. No matter how many times we tell you, no matter how many messages you heard, you have got to change the way you think if you're going to change the way you live. Man, if you're struggling with lust of women, then you've got to start thinking differently about women. Not as an object of your desire, your passions, but as a precious daughter of God. I pray that all the time. God, help me to see women as Jesus saw women. He felt a lot differently about women than the way I did growing up. You know, we always see that. Do what Jesus do. No, we've got to think like Jesus thought. Because if we get the thinking right with Jesus, we'll do the things like Jesus. What do you think about money? You think it's yours? Then you're going to act that way. And use it for your will in building up your kingdom. But if you think, wow, this money is a blessing that God has allowed me to have. It's really His. He only asked for a little bit of it. Man, God's a gracious God. He could demand all of it. But He's given it to me so I can support my family, so I can do good things. But man, I want to use it to build His kingdom. Because I can't take any of this with me anyway. How you think is how you're going to live. How do you think about the lost? Well, good luck to them. I'm too busy this week. Hopefully someone will reach out to them. What if the person who reached out to you thought that way? Guys, how we think is how we live. This will apply to any area of your life. Guys, if we are truly going to know God's will, if we're truly going to treat His name as holy, we've got to transform the way we think. And we've got to renew it. We've got to keep going after it. I tell you, if you're willing to go after this like no tomorrow, God, help me to think like you. I, I bet He is dying to answer that prayer. But then you've got to act on it. You've got to really change your habits. Change your mind. That's really what repentance is, metanoia. Changing how you see things. Only then will you know what His will is. See, because if you have your mind like His, you have His actions like His, 
and you sacrifice like His, then you're going to do His will. You're going to achieve building His kingdom rather than your own. So, so when the Lord prayer states, hallowed be your name, it doesn't have us say, Lord, your name is hallowed. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, rather we're saying, Lord, cause your name to be hallowed in my life, through my life, through us as a church, through us as a family. He does this through our obedience to Him, to His will and His desires. As we learn more about God through the study of His names, I pray it moves us toward not just belief, but transformation that will motivate us to actions that are all about making His name known and His name treated as hallowed. I close with this passage. Jeremiah 29. But if I say, I will not mention His word or speak any more in His name, His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Guys, if we really know His name, if we treat it as hollowed, then we can't help but share it. So guys, I don't want us to spend the next few weeks just understanding the names of God. I want us to understand it. I want us to embrace it. I want us to internalize it all the way to your gut if you have to. But then it needs to be expressed. It needs to be acted upon. We need to let the world know who God is. How wonderfully different our God is. Hallowed. Be your name. Amen.